You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. I've been, uh, I've just been watching some uh, reruns on uh, uh, streaming thing, whatever that is. Not Netflix, one of the other ones. I've been watching some streaming things of a, a series that was on, uh, I'm getting barracked already, that was a series that was uh, on about 18 or 20 years ago on Channel 4. And this series was called Faking It. I know some of you guys over here, you weren't even born then, but it was a really good series. And, and uh, uh, in this series, the idea was that they would try and get somebody who had no skill and no experience in a particular area and train them over the course of just four weeks to be able to fake it that they were an expert. And so they, there were a number of different... Uh, each. Each episode had a different story attached. And so the first one was a classical cellist who became a club DJ. There was a painter and decorator who became a conceptual artist. A bicycle courier who became a polo player. A factory worker who became a fashion designer. And a burger van man who became a cordon bleu chef. And so in this, the the format of the thing was that they would take this person with no skills, no knowledge, no background expertise, and over a period of four weeks, they would train this person intensively. They would give them the confidence, they would give them the encouragement, they would give them the knowledge, they would give them the skills, with the aim that by the end of four weeks, they could fake it that they could pretend to have the expertise and to fool some judges, some judges who were experts. And uh, it's a really interesting series just to watch what was going on, but it was just amazing to see how easy it is to fake it. That actually, if you get the right knowledge, expertise, and a bit of confidence, you can fake it in a whole lot of ways in life. You can fake it so that even the experts can't tell the difference. And you don't need me to tell you that we live in a world of fake. That actually so much in our lives, so much that's in the world around us is fake stuff. You can go on holiday to many countries in the world and you can go to the local market and you can buy a fake version of almost anything. You can buy a fake Premier League football shirt. You can buy fake designer goods. You can buy fake designer jeans. You can buy fake watches. You can buy a fake Rolex. You can buy a fake iPhone. You can buy a fake almost anything that has a premium price. You can get a fake one at a cheaper price. And if you can't afford to go on holiday, well, you can still get a tan because you can get a fake tan from from the local uh, salon. There's so much fake in our world. In 2017, the Collins Dictionary, the word of the year was fake news. 
So they choose every year a, a word that they're going to call the word of the year for that previous year. And it's a word that has suddenly gained a whole load of traction and used a whole load more than it had ever done before. And so in 2017, that word or phrase was fake news because it was a time when there was so much fake news. And you know what? Sometimes it's really difficult for us to know what's fake news and what's real news. And sometimes the real news is called fake news when it's actually real. And sometimes we get a bit confused because there's so much fake going on. And even in the last couple of years with AI, that now you can fake so many things. You can have fake videos that look really realistic but they are just fake. You can have fake images. So often we can see stuff on social media and we think it looks real, but sometimes it's completely fake. And even when we have reality TV, and you might think reality TV is not fake because it's real, but even that genre of reality, reality TV, part of it is scripted. The situations are manipulated. It's carefully edited to tell a story. So even reality TV is actually fake TV. It's not telling the true story. And so we have a problem today. And the problem today is it is so hard to tell what is genuine, what is real, and what is true. We live in this world of fakery. But what I want to say is this. What an opportunity this is at this time for the church to stand up and be genuine. That the church actually can be genuine in this world of fakery. That we can actually stand out and be different because the world is looking for something that is true. The world is looking for something that is genuine. So rather than being discouraged and worried about the world of fakery that we live in, we can see this is a time when the church can make a difference. So that people see, here are people who run a food bank because they care, not just because they're trying to put on an image. So much of our world is trying to put on an image. But if the, if the world can see, yeah, these people are genuine. They're doing it with genuine motives. But here's the thing. Faking it is not just a modern phenomenon. In Jesus' day, there were people who were faking it. On a number of occasions, Jesus used a very strong word to talk about people who were faking it. He called them hypocrites. Now, I'm glad that Jesus used that word because I wouldn't like to call somebody a hypocrite to their face. But Jesus is Jesus and he can do that. And so what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a person who puts on a false appearance of things. Somebody who puts on a false appearance. So a person for whom what they do on the outside is not matching what's on the inside. In other words, a hypocrite is a fake. And here are some of the things that Jesus said about this. In Matthew 6, verse 2, he said this, When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. So these people who Jesus was describing as hypocrites were turning something that was actually good into a performance. 
they were turning it into a religious ceremony. And Jesus goes on to say, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. In other words, don't be like the fakes. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and, st- and on the street corners to be seen by others. They were making the whole thing a religious performance. And Jesus said, don't do these things as a performance to be seen. Do these things in secret. So your giving and praying are not for the audience. They're not for spectators that it's genuine. And then later on, he says something that is even more shocking. In Matthew 23, verse 27, he says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. In other words, you fakes. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. I mean, Jesus sometimes is very uncompromising in the way he speaks to people. He's saying to these religious leaders who appeared on the outside to be impressive, who appeared on the outside to be the godly people, on the outside they were the people who were respected, you're fakes. You're doing a good job at looking good on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of death. And we need to remember that God is less concerned with the outer appearances than with our hearts. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, the Lord says to Samuel, the Lord does not look, on the, look at things that other people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know what? I don't want people to come to our location of church in Workington because we put on a good performance and because we look good. I want people to come to our church because they see something that is authentic. They see something that is genuine. They see something that is real because they see so much fake in the world around them. I want them to be able to say, I can see there's something genuine here. There's something real. There's something that is authentic. Just looking a bit at this word that Jesus uses, hypocrites. It comes uh, from a Greek word that meant an actor, a play actor. And uh, the background of this word is a hypocrite was literally an actor in a play. And uh, I did a little bit of research onto this. Um, And in ancient Greece, apparently, uh, they would have these plays which loads of people would come to watch. And usually there were just three actors. So there there were lots of characters in the play, but only three actors. So each actor was playing different parts. And one of the things that that they did to help the audience to understand the person who was speaking, the actor would be wearing a mask. They would wear a mask to portray an image to help the uh, audience to understand. This was a mask that was showing something on the outside. It was giving an appearance, but it wasn't reflecting what was on the inside. And Jesus is saying to the religious leaders of his day, your religion is like you're wearing a mask. It's like you're an actor just pretending to be someone. You know, I think because we live in this world of faking it, 
we can sometimes feel under pressure to fake it. We can feel under pressure to be putting on a mask. Maybe we can feel under pressure to appear to be someone we are not. We can sometimes feel under pressure that we don't want people to know who we really are and what we're really like and how we're really feeling. And so we then start going through the motions to try to keep up appearances. And we can even feel that pressure from church. And uh, uh, we don't want that to be the case, but it can be the case that we feel under pressure of what will everybody else in church think about me. I remember I had a a moment, I don't know whether whether you can relate to this, but sometimes you just have a moment where you suddenly realize something. And I remember about 10 years ago, I had this moment of realizing something about how I was bringing up my kids, that I was bringing up my kids with the biggest motivation of what will people in church think about me? And uh, I realized I had to be completely free of that. I needed to get rid of that whole concept. But it's so easy to fall into that trap that we think, you know, somebody else we see on Facebook, their kids have done this and they're like this and, and they, they look so great and you feel under pressure. I've somehow got to reach that same kind of standard and I feel I can't reach that standard. And that's actually okay because I haven't got to be like that and my kids haven't got to be like that. My kids have got to be the unique people that God has made them to be. But what I can do is I can feel this pressure that I have got to have my kids who are actually not under my control at all. I can't make them be what I want them to be anyway, but I can feel under this pressure that I've got to try and make them to be like something because I've got to try and keep up appearances. I've got to try and look like I'm a good dad. Now, I think the reality is most people, I think even my kids would say, I am a good dad. And uh, I think uh, they are brilliant, but they haven't just been exactly the same as other people's kids. They haven't done what other kids, other people's kids have done. Even to the extent of you, you sort of think to yourself, uh, you know, I remember some friends of ours, their son uh, was made deputy head boy of the school. And they were angry because he wasn't made head boy of the school. And I felt so inadequate because I knew my Ben was never going to be head boy in the school. And it was okay because being head boy is not such an important thing. But to them, it was such an important thing. But we can feel so inadequate. And so we then have to try and put on an appearance of things being good. And I want to encourage us not to be like that. Not, and not to be a church that puts those kind of pressures on other people. So that was my own story of really how I could feel that I needed to be keeping up appearances, putting on this mask of being a good dad. Yeah, I want to be a good dad, but I don't have to do it so that I'm keeping everybody else happy. I don't have to put on a brave face. I can actually admit that it's tough, that things go wrong. You know, as a child, I don't know whether you were ever told this as a child. As a child, I was often told to be on my best behavior. That maybe uh, we had family visiting or something like that. And uh, and my mum and dad's sort of final words before they arrived would be, be on your best behavior. I don't know, I remember at school as well, when you had, there was somebody visiting school, and we were all told, we've got to be on our best behavior. We've got to put on this act 
act of being well-behaved when the reality was not well-behaved at all. So sometimes, you know, we've got that kind of history of being told to act in a way that doesn't match the reality, to put on this act. And we need to be released from that because sometimes that can be how we start relating to God that we put on an act of being well-behaved, an act of doing the right thing, but it's not matching what's on the inside. There's a phrase that you sometimes hear, fake it till you make it. I want to suggest that fake it till you make it is not a good message to live your whole life by. And the reason for that is quite simple. It's because faking it till you make it is taking God out of the equation. It's putting the reliance on what you do rather than the reliance on you relying on God to help you. Living life as a Christian without faking it has to be possible. If we don't believe that, then we're denying how powerful God is. Our reliance needs to be not on our ability to fake things, but on our reliance on God to work. Because if we fake it, we're taking God out of the equation, and he becomes merely the person we are trying to please, rather than the person who is working within us for our benefit. It puts the reliance on us. So I want to say this. I want to say I believe it is possible for Christians to make it without faking it. You see, real change doesn't come from faking it because that starts with doing something on the outside, the actions that we do. But what we need to do is we need to start from the inside because it's from the inside that real change and lasting change happens. Now, of course, we have to exercise self-control. We have to get into good habits. But the starting point is not the self-control and the good habits. The starting point is the life of God that he has put within us. Faking it is about externals. And too often, as Christians, we focus on the externals before we focus on the internals. I don't know about you, but often... When I was a young Christian, uh, it was all about, now these are the things I've got to start doing, and these are the things that I've got to stop doing. And it was all about the externals without understanding that it was actually what God had done within me to change me that was going to enable me to do those externals. And sometimes we need to just make sure that we're not bringing people into that pressure to perform without helping people to understand what God has done in transforming their lives already. And so that change is about living out the life that's within us rather than trying to please other people by living out the externals. You see, Paul, he turned the whole thing on on its head. So the Pharisees, if you remember what I said about the Pharisees, one of the things that Jesus said to them, he said, you're like whitewashed tombs, You look very attractive on the outside, but you're like death on the inside. Paul turns this upside down. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, 
He's talking about God having shone his light into our hearts. And he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not us. So we have the treasure in earthen vessels, in clay vessels. It's treasure that is within. The Pharisees, they look nice on the outside, but Paul is saying, we have got the treasure on the inside. And sometimes the earthen vessel, the body that we've got, the things that we do, they don't look so attractive. Sometimes like clay pots, they get chipped and broken and maybe just unimpressive. But it's what's inside that really matters. There's evidence that Paul himself was not an impressive person. There were other uh, teachers, false teachers, who maybe had more impressive personalities, who maybe were more charismatic, who could put on a better show. They impressed people with their words and their eloquence. But Paul is saying, but it's not the outward appearance that matters. Actually, what matters is the treasure that is within. And so I want to encourage every one of you, if you know God and God is in your life, you have got treasure in your heart. You've got treasure in your life. And the word that is used here is not just a little bit of treasure. The word here that is used is a storehouse of treasure. You've got a storehouse of treasure in your life. And so, yes, there may be things that go wrong in your life, but you can live from that storehouse of treasure that God has put within you. You don't have to be looking good on the outside because you've got the treasure on the inside. The Pharisees, they had impressive exterior with eloquent prayers, giving publicly, but they were dead inside. We have clay jars, but treasure within. We don't have to fake it because of the treasure that's in us. We don't need to have fake tan Christianity. We've got the real thing. And you know what? Paul then goes on to list a whole load of difficult circumstances. But whatever our physical difficult circumstances, the treasure can still shine out from within us. So we can be released from the pressure to perform. We can have a quiet confidence, an inner security. I don't have to worry about performing for other people. I don't have to worry about people judging me. You know what? We can spend a lot of time perfecting the jar and neglecting the treasure. We can put a lot of time into making things look good on the outside, but neglect the treasure that is on the inside. So I believe in this world of fakery, the world is also looking for something genuine and authentic. They don't want fake religion. The world has seen too much of fake religion. They don't want an impressive show. They want genuine reality. And here's the thing about fake. Fake doesn't last. Fake may look good for a little while, but it doesn't last. If you buy one of these handbags from the market in Turkey, it may look good, but it's not going to last you very long. You'll find that the, 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 uh, the catch breaks very soon. The, it starts to wear out very quickly because it's not the real quality. Fake doesn't last. In that TV series that I talked about at the beginning, 
those people who were able to fake it, who were able, like the, in the, in the, uh, the burger man who became a, a cordon bleu chef, they had restaurant critics in the restaurant judging whether he or one of the other chefs there, who had all been doing it for a number of years, which one was the faker. And they all chose one of the other chefs. I mean, how demoralizing for the other chefs. <laughs> but here's the thing. He couldn't keep that up. He could do that performance for one evening. He couldn't live that lifestyle. And sometimes we can fake it for a while, but it doesn't last. The whitewashed tombs that Jesus talked about, it was a thing that they did in Israel in, in, at that time, that, that the tombs were, were, were washed completely white with uh, lime wash to make them look perfect. But every few months or every few years, they needed to do it again. They needed to whitewash it again because it was starting to look dirty. And you know what? Fake godliness is exhausting because you have to keep on and on and on working from your own resources rather than living from the treasure that is within. The genuine is really important. And we need to know that the genuine is what God has done in our lives. Sometimes the genuine needs to be tested. The only way you know if something's genuine is when it's tested. And Peter says this in 1 Peter 1.7, these problems have come so that the genuineness of your faith may be proved. Your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, but that it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I would love it. I would so love it if the Bible said the genuineness of my faith was proved by the fact I didn't have any problems. <laughs> and sometimes we can almost get caught up into that way of thinking. If I've got real faith, I won't have problems. But actually in Peter, he is saying, Problems come to test the genuineness of your faith. And so when you go through difficulties, when you go through hardships, it's not testing your faith to see whether it passes or not. It's, it's showing you. It's not God's external test. It's your internal test to help you to know, yeah, my faith is genuine because I have come through this test. It's so easy for us to think that actually when things go wrong, it means I haven't got enough faith. But actually, when the things go wrong, it's what we do with those things that test our faith. And so I believe all across this room, there are people who are going through difficult situations and you are showing the genuineness of your faith as you go through those difficult situations. And it says, this is more precious than gold. It says, this brings glory and honor to Jesus. So uh, I'm almost within my time, Pete, so we're all right. Uh, if a band likes to just come up, we're just going to just draw things to a close here. Because I think there are some encouragements in what we've been looking at. 
And maybe there are some challenges in what we've been looking at as well. Because I do believe the world is crying out to see the authentic. And you might feel, you know what, I'm not even sure whether I'm authentic. You might feel that you're a bit of a fake. You need to know you are authentic. You need to know that treasure that God has put within you, that light that he has shone into your heart, it is genuine. We don't need fake tan Christianity. You know, the world can do shiny better than us. The world can do performance better than us. We haven't got to try and compete with the way the world does things. In 2 Corinthians 12, it says this, his power is perfected in our weakness. You know, those Pharisees, they didn't want to be perceived as weak. They wanted to show off how strong they were, how good they were, all the good stuff they were doing. But his power is perfected in our weakness. So I want to say to you, if you are struggling with things, it's okay. I'm not saying be passive. I'm not saying just sit back and say, oh, well, it's just, you know, just the way it is. So don't be passive, but don't feel bad because you're going through difficult things. Because his power is perfected in our weakness. Although outwardly we may be fading away, as the Bible tells us. Inwardly, we've got this treasure. I loved it at, uh, at the, um, oh, what was it called? Partners Night. That's right. I loved it at Partners Night when, when Pat spoke about vision. Because what I thought, this is treasure within. This is the, this is the treasure shining out from somebody who has proven a lifetime of faithfulness. And this is treasure shining out as she was talking about her vision and her experience of God at work. And whatever our circumstances, we can allow the light to shine out. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.